the UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. Welcome everybody. Today I have my good friend Jesse, Jesse P. We've grown for years and years in this program together, comparing data and uh, and being friends and just kind of doing the deal. So uh, I really hope you enjoy our conversation today. Um, if you like what we're saying, please pass it on and share it with other people. We want to try to be as helpful to others as we can and uh, try to get people to understand the spiritual malady. Okay, right on. But anyway, we were just talking about uh, it's not a matter of how much time you have in recovery. It's how much recovery you have in your time. And like, so I have a take on this. I have a huge take on this. It's kind of two-parted. And then I'd like to hear what you got to say. So it's not how much time you have in the program. It's how much program you have in your time. I think that's really important in the first number of years because there's a lot of guys out there with many, many years that are not running any types of program. But the perception is, is that these guys are fucking, you know, running great programs. But when you really get to know these people and you get to know what they're doing, um, their programs aren't really that strong. They're suffering a lot of the fucking defective character and they're acting out in ways that aren't really conducive to, to the growth that we're trying to achieve. But what I found is if, if I can guide the people that I'm working with or even myself to really work in the directions in the program, and I always say this in meetings, groove this shit in your life for the first two or three years and then it becomes a way of life. And so for me, it's really important to get people to understand, put this number one. Dig into the directions. Do everything that this program's asking you to do because then it will just fall into your life and you will fucking grow spiritually for the rest of your life. So the time is also important. So it's not just about how much program is in your time. 
although that's really important in the first few years. But what I've seen in the last number of years, now I got six and a bit years in, is if your own house isn't in order, I mean, if you're not cleaning house and continually growing in understanding and effectiveness and learning about who you are and doing the inventory and seeking a higher power in your life, there's shit from the depths of within us that actually still needs to come out. And it only comes out through time. What I've noticed is as you stay sober and you get older, a lot of the deep-rooted shit, traumas, self, uh, old weapons or defects of character that haven't been dealt with, that shit still comes up, guilt, shame, and it only comes up through time. And I've seen people that have not kept their own house in order and they're not ready to deal with the shit that comes up and then the shit deals with them. That's one of the biggest things I've seen in the last couple years is they're not able to deal with the shit that comes up and the shit deals with them. And the result of that is, you know, often suicide, picking up a drink again, um, it manifests in, in sex and relationships and hookers. And eventually, if those behaviors start coming back in a negative way, these people get really restless, irritable, discontented. If they're able to stay sober at all, they're not very happy. So that's, to me, the only thing that alleviates some of that is the time. But it's not just time doing nothing. It's time of working a solid program. So, do you have any opinion on any of that? What the fuck are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, I got a pretty big opinion on it, and uh, it kind of falls in suit with what you're talking about, but it kind of fits a little bit, I guess, of the other side of the coin. So, just kind of going off of what you chatted about, I think this is this was first recognized when, you know, we were going through the book together, like the literature, the book. And, uh, it was a lot of people thought that we had more time than we did because of the concentration of the program that we were putting into such a small amount of time. Um, and so recognizing that, but then also recognizing, so you're understanding, you're starting to make clicks. This is predominantly from your own program. Uh, and then the way you take guys through the literature. So those two things, you start to recognize that a lot of the places where you go do not have the concentration that you and your own life and your own program have and how you pass this on to guys. So that's really, that's where for me, all this, all this was recognized where this gentleman has X and X amount of years. And I know for a fact that he has no idea what he's talking about. And one telltale sign for me is that if we're chatting about a specific thing, like a specific step, and how I kick off that step is is outlined right on the wall. That's the first tell for me, right? And because really, let's just say we're talking about step one, I'm going to talk about, you know, this gentleman's going to talk about powerless and unmanageability, where in actuality, I if, if I am well-versed, I have three chapters of information to go off of. And there's so many good things in there that I could kick it off with. There's so many good ways that I could go about utilizing that information to hammer home to the room um, just, just what we're talking about there. So that's one aspect. That's where, that's where this was recognized to course correct, as we had chatted about before, to course correct 
um, to course correct this, we we went like we steered the ship very hard to the left, to where it's very. We're emphasizing the fact that you know, in a couple of months, right? In a couple of months, you could have deep and effective spiritual experiences that could build up to a spiritual awakening. Whereas you remember, and we've chatted about this before, when we were starting to come in to these, uh, when these things were starting to click, we started seeing uh, everything else to the contrary or what was clicking for us. And there's always one example that sticks in the back of my mind is there was a meeting in town here that was uh, one step a year. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Because I remember we had chatted about it years ago when we found out about this. And that is an example of doing the exact opposite to what this book tells us to do. So anyways, when, you know, you sponsor a gentleman and he ends up having this revolutionary change in his way of thinking, his outlook on life, his perspective, uh, and then he goes into the a room and then he gets fucking castrated from, you know, a guy with 20, 30 years. We, we were having a discussion uh, previous to this and... Uh, you know, a gentleman was talking about going into the room with uh, with a big book and, and, and an old timer castrating him. So the course correction is just because this individual has X and X amount of years, we have to take we have to take the ideal that time means something in the program. But the flip side of that is that the only way you get wisdom and experience is through the time, right? But that, like we had chatted about, that's well known, right? The other aspect to this, the buildup to this was not well known. And that's what we've really spent time hammering, right? We've spent a lot of good time hammering that the time factor doesn't mean much when this guy could change his life in a number of months. Then from there, he just has to grow from that. Mm -hmm. So he's grooving it in. He's grooving it in. It's like he gets the blueprints and then from there, he's essentially boring out the blueprints. He's getting, but like one of the, like one of the biggest things as you're chatting about, like you're chatting about, you know, where, like, where does the defects lie? Like these types of things you had mentioned. And like what I've been big on probably the last year is that your station in life dictates what kind of program you're running, right? So like, I'll give you an example. Like I come in, um, you know, I'm new. I got it maybe a couple of months. Like there's a lot of rope that I have. Like I could come into the room. I could, you know, punch somebody in the face and get away with it really, you know, get involved with newcomers or whatever and, and have a little bit of pain, but nothing too crazy. If I were to do any of that kind of stuff today, it would blow my life up. You know, the emphasis, what this, this is really my take on the emphasis of time is the program is so rooted in the drink that the drink is the issue, the drink is the problem, combating the drink, the drink, the drink. Thank God I didn't drink today, blah, 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 blah. And when I hear that, I just, I'm like, what am I fucking doing here? Do you, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so, it's so sad because that became what the program is, is just not drinking. So if I am trying just not drink today to just not drink today, and I'm new and I come to the program and I hear that you've, you've done that every day for 49 years, blows my hair back. 
But on further investigation, you know, this guy gets out of the gets out of the room, you know, go, uh, you know, kicks the dog, starts lipping off somebody, goes home, almost gets into an accident and then smacks around the wife. That's the reality of the dry 49 years. Right. But when we're so centered in the drink actually being the problem, the drink is not even close to the problem. When when a person understands that the drink was a solution, just that very basic premise, the witch burner attitude in regards to the drink really starts to subside. Mm -hmm. When that becomes deep rooted as a part of what we're doing here, when I understood that the drink, because but I understood that very early on, Bill. Yeah. I understood that very early on because in this turmoil of I'm fucked if I do and I'm fucked if I don't. So I am, I am fucked if I drink and I am just as fucked, if not more fucked when I don't. When I drink, at least I have some sort of a solution around this thing. And you got to remember too that for myself, when I'm drinking, when I'm carrying on the, the way that I'm going, I mean, I have the trifecta. I am a full-blown gambling degenerate. I am an alcoholic addict, sex addict. So with those afflictions, my station in life is always going to be stunted. It's very difficult with all four of those to get into certain areas. So alcohol is only going to cause me so much problems. And it has, and it was severe, sure. But what happens when... You know, the only time I think about blowing my brains out is when I'm dry, right? The only time I feel, you know, the book talks about this restless, irritable discontent is not when I'm drinking is when I'm dry, right? When I'm in a spree and I've been tying one on for, for weeks or months and then I wake up in this spree not drunk over from the night before and I wake up to, to face the, the, the hideous four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. That happens when I'm sober. Mm -hmm. Coming to the base premise of that, understanding that, I understood that you know, all those four things were just to really give me some sort of relief mm -hmm. against what I just described, the four horsemen and the rest is irritable discontent. What the fuck are we talking about? You know, like a couple points on what you're saying. One is the aspect of the program in the rooms really focusing on the substance. And that's what the meetings are about. You know, I don't drink, I don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, and everything's going to be great. And then, you know, there is some talk of sponsorship and read the book and, and do these things, keep coming to meetings. But what I've seen over the years is these people will finally get some sober time. Maybe they've worked a set of steps. And a lot of times they haven't even worked a set of steps, but they've been hold on, able to hold on to the meetings to get them through and get a year sober. And then the room in general says, you know what? Great job. You're on your way. We pat them on the ass and you're on your way. And I always say, yeah, you're on your way. You're on your way to a fucking relapse. Because the alcohol was never the problem. You're sober by the grace of God. You held on to the meetings for a year and you're sober. Or maybe you got through a first set of steps. You distanced yourself from the substance for a little while. But you've never dealt with the real problem. And if you don't deal with the real problem, you're in fucking trouble down the road. And partly why is because of what I said earlier. Because they've never dealt with the shit that's going to come up that's going to drive them back to the rest of irritable discontent and they'll be fucking drunk again.
And that's just what happens. Like very rare does a person make it a year, just like the book says. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay sober anything like a year. That's pretty much fucking fundamentally a fact. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to make it a year, you usually ain't making it two years. And you sure the fuck ain't making it five years. So so that's really important to highlight. And I think that's what, uh, you know, you and I do bring that delivery to the fucking meetings that it's not really about the drink. The drink's always been the solution. When the solution doesn't work, you can't drink, but you can't not drink. You get to a place where you're fucked. Mm -hmm. So... I want to kind of rewind in our own experience where you and I had sobered up relatively close in time to each other. Um, we got work together. We were working out of town together. And we started getting very restless, irritable, discontented, acting out in our defects of character. I know in the step seven it says, as we reluctantly come to grips with these serious character flaws, flaws that made problem drinkers of us in the first place. It's the serious character flaws that made problem drinkers of us in the first place. And then to tie that into a line in step four, it says uh, character defects based upon instincts gone astray has been the primary cause of our destructive drinking and our failure at life. Unless we are now willing to work hard at the elimination of the worst of these defects, both sobriety and peace of mind will still elude us. That the, all the faulty foundation of our lives will have to be torn out. The faulty foundation of our life is self. And self manifests through the character defects. The defects are based underlying in the instincts. That all the faulty foundation of life will have to be torn out and built upon a new bedrock. And the new bedrock essentially is God. And in the We Agnostics chapter, it talks about upon the simple cornerstone... Cornerstone is a foundational piece of a building that gets built. So we're trying to rebuild this on a new foundation, our lives. Tear down the old foundation of self and build it upon a new foundation. The cornerstone. Upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure could be built. But it's not a theoretical thing. So as we start building this foundation, the only thing that builds this foundation is me actually learning how to turn our li my life over. So back when we were in Regina and we were fucking burning our lives down with defects of character, we decided enough's enough because we didn't want to drink and we were pretty fucking scared and we could see the signs and we were pretty new so we didn't really understand a lot of shit that was going on but we were smart enough to know that the solution was in the book because by this point in our recovery, the book had done so much for us. Although no one really showed us what it could do, we just intuitively knew something was in there for us. So we went into the book. Typically, your average person isn't going to go into the book looking for the solution. What they're going to do is they're going to pick up the phone and say to their pillar or to the sponsor, I'm fucking suffering. I need your help. We didn't really do that. We went into the literature and we started pulling apart the literature, started seeing that our lives were still built on this faulty foundation of self. We were living with the theory or the concept that God was running our lives, but I don't think God was fully running our lives. I think it was our ego's attachment to the thought that we thought God was running our lives. But when you looked in between the morning and night prayers, we were still running our own fucking lives 
Hence, we're restless, irritable, discontented, and fucking going down banana peel trail. So as we got into the literature, we started at step six. We started really identifying with the small words, the small sentences, and talking back and forth honestly about superiority, lust, self-righteous anger, and seeing not where that just happens like every now and then, but where that happens on a daily basis, the more subtle shit. So I guess what I'd like to maybe spark out of you is why do you think we went into the book intuitively by ourselves? What was the benefit of doing it with somebody else that was so willing? And do you think you could have done that on your own? Or do you think that was something that our friendship just kind of manifested? You watching me burn it down and me watching you burn it down. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I could have done it on my own. We started in the six because in and around this time, what happened was is I went through my five. I went through my five before me and you started working out of town. And in the five process, the gentleman who had sponsored me took me through the step six and the 12 by 12. And I remember I brought it up to you. I think that you might have read it on your own and we both showed interest in it. And I think that that laid the groundwork for later on us going through it. I think that we both understood. I think we both remembered that to where the step six, when, when we read it on our own, what happened before this, what preludes that as I think we both came to an understanding through our own sponsorship, because we've parted ways many times and have come back together. And this was, we had met each other. We didn't necessarily care for each other. And then we kind of grew together. But even in saying that, I kind of went my own separate way. You kind of went your own separate way. Then we got back together. And when we got back together, there was a lot of things that were the same. A lot of the things that aligned. One of the biggest things was, I believe that we believed at that point and still do today, that um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is not just black and white. It's, it's a working document. And once that changes then the um, the way the book is written, the commas and the periods even have emphasis on top of the words that are being said. And I think we took it in a very literal way. And without that, we could have read that chapter over and over again and it fucking would have went right over our heads. Two things, why I believe that happened the way that it happened. One of which was, is so when you were working at this company, that's the most money you had made at that time in your recovery. Yeah. Right. And I'd finally got my career back on track. And it was, it was Mr. Noodles and craft dinner up until that point. Right. And my, I was, I was still living in Oxford groups. My situation was much the same. Even when we first started working together, we were both eating $5 pizzas from fucking Caesars. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And, uh, but what happened was though, is as per society and what means success in society, we were doing very well. We were making solid money, respectable position, little bit of respect in the program, started getting a little bit of name in there. Um, so all those other avenues primed this for what was about to happen. The biggest thing was is that, so in the doctor's opinion, there are seven, there are seven, um, seven pieces of the alcoholic cycle. And the alcoholic cycle is a depiction of the man's life. It is a snapshot of the man's life. 
and that many things might change in his life. He might move, he might, you know, get another girlfriend, uh, whatever the case may be, but those seven things will never change. That will be his life. And that is restless, irritable, discontent. That is the mental obsession, the first drink phenomenon, a craving spree, emerging remorseful, the firm resolution not to drink again. And so for where we were in that cycle, we were at the, we were essentially at the rest of suitable discontent. How we sustain society is we solve that spiritual malady, the rest of suitable discontent. So what had happened was, is that we're, we were both at the rest of suitable discontent. We didn't end up drinking because we were still actually fairly tied to the program. We're going to meetings down there. And we're both still sponsoring a good amount of men at that point, but it did open the door for us to seek some relief. Given the societal things that I mentioned before, not capping that off and being able to match that station, being able to understand that we have to level up our program and come to a deeper learning. Because we were, I mean, we were learning, but we weren't learning quick enough. We weren't, we couldn't, we couldn't have learned quick enough because we didn't burn our hands yet. Well, but once we burnt our hands, then we were able to make very hard and fast line adjustments with God-centered pillars and uh, with with God-centered pillars and of course our own you know higher power. And we didn't have anybody really show us the ropes like Nobody. you had mentioned Nobody. your sponsor took you through and it was all about the substance, mm -hmm. no design for living, get through the steps you're on your way. But yeah. really, we proved that we were on our way to a fucking relapse. My sponsor, God bless him, saved my fucking life by getting me separated from the substance, but it was only through our burning our hands and us willing to go through the material together is where I actually found the design for living. So, you know, thank God for that shit. Cause, uh, but we didn't have anyone guide us. No one would even say, Oh, you guys are burning your lives down. You're missing what the program's about. No one was saying anything like this. And I never heard this anywhere in the rooms that I can re recall. Yeah. But then you and I grow into this area of looking at the defects, turning more to God, doing more sponsorship. And I think it's through the sponsorship where all the growth has happened. Because as we've separated, as you've mentioned, over the six years, we've always come back, compared the data. The data is very fucking similar, almost to a T, yeah. which makes my version of my message stronger, your version of your message stronger, because not only is it your opinion and your experience, now you combine my opinion and my experience with yours separately, but they're the exact same, which makes the message stronger. And the big message is, is it's not about the substance. That's the fucking non-issue here, but the rooms are full of that's what it's about. So what we try to do, I think, is really carry the message that it's not about the substance. It never was and it never will be. Maybe it was when I got here, but it's not anymore. And by bringing God in, the foundation of God, that actually solves all my problems, all my defective character, all my judgments, all my, my sex relation issues, blah, blah, blah. And you had mentioned sex addict. Dude, you've been restored to sanity in that for years. And most sex addicts can't get restored to sanity there because they've never built a life on a foundation of, of this cornerstone of creator. But the idea of creator or God is not enough. And I often always talk about in meetings, the theory of God is not enough. 
I think the ego attaches to the idea that I'm connected to God, but it's not really working in my life. Essentially, step three is not becoming reality. I'm not actually turning my will in my life over. My ego just thinks it is. And a lot of these people just think they are. They end up drinking in that first year, second year, third year. By the grace of God, they might get a year or two in. But over time, self will run the show. And if self runs the show enough, we fucking pick up. So it's really important to follow the directions, the literature, the clear-cut directions in the book. And to me, the essence of turning my will and my life over is the actual process of step 10. To me, that is step three in live action is step 10. And for anyone listening, I don't want to say just do step 10 and you're going to always be turning your will and your life over. Some things are harder than others. Sometimes we got to do a full step four and a five and a six on a certain subject. Maybe it's sex conduct. But we really got to pull the material from previous, you know, the step four process. I got to sometimes do full resentment inventory. I got to do full fear inventory and I got to do full sex inventory. And I got to do a whole bunch of things. One of my favorite lines in the book right now is much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration and direction from him who has all power and knowledge. So it's saying in the first 85 pages, including the doctor's opinion, Much has already been said about receiving God's strength, inspiration, and direction from him, God, who has all power and knowledge. So if I'm reading and following those directions, I will find that strength, that inspiration, and the direction from my creator who has all power and knowledge. If I'm shown it properly, and I think that's what we do. So kind of flipping gears into the prayer and the meditation. Hey, just hold on a second, because I want to I wanna cut you off now and kind of rewind and just, there's a couple of things that, there's one thing that is probably most important, um, at least to me, and as I discuss it, most likely to you is that, <clears throat> you know, as so as we grow in this program, you know, we realize that the problem centers in the mind, of course, And it centers in the mind as per the book in regards to the drink. And that is that mental blank spot. And then when we chat about the defect of character, uh, we realize that that blank spot, that mental justification, rationalization can bleed into all my affairs, right? Normally this is sprawled off from the restless irritable discontent. So in saying that, when me and you have collected a lot of this data, what's very important to understand for the listener, because me and Bill already know, but we grounded each other a lot, a lot. Like I remember, you know, taking a guy through the book, maybe, maybe he fit different parameters than what I was used to and something clicking and me calling you right the fuck after and running you through it. Does this make sense? Is this nonsense? Is this all in my head? Or can you see this too? And that was very fucking important. Because I remember there was a certain time where a lot of people thought that where I got a lot of this information from was from other speakers and stuff like that. And that was not true. A lot of it was revealed to me out of the work. And then I was grounded with you on it. And then from that, after that process, then it was, then it was locked the fuck down. 
And so we almost, you know, we've almost been, we've almost been like scientists in a way where things have come through in, uh, intuition, inspiration, inspirational thoughts where normally I would take a guy through the process one way, right? But then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I feel the need to take him through this way. That is called data collecting. And then I would bring that to you right? Or I'm doing this. I decided to switch it up, bring that to you. And that, so when we talk about data collecting, that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Like, what have I found most effective out of all the pools of guys, uh, from a survey standpoint, almost like we're surveying and that's how we're gathering this data. I have seen this in nine out of 10 guys, but I only see this in two out of 10 guys. That's a little bit more of a rare case, that type of stuff, right? So I definitely wanted to get that out in the open before I lost it. When we chat about the defective character, you know, you had, you, you had mentioned understanding that the defective character is the key. And often, I think we've done this once or twice, and in every time it has brought up our history, which is very funny because in actuality, we never talk about that. Mm -hmm. It's not because it's not important. Um, it just never comes up. A, a lot of the conversations we have are very new, very present. What's the new data is majority of our questions. But I find it interesting that we keep on going back to that. And I believe why we keep on going back to that is, is really just how important that time was. That time had set us on the course for where we are today because it got very bad for me uh, for you, it was, it was okay. You were able to rectify these things, but also some of these things are coming up. I haven't dealt with these things since. So this is what's interesting about it. As I took a very, very hard, no nonsense, no fuck around approach where you had been in some respects, subtly bleeding from a paper cut of self. Yeah. Right. So I find that that's very interesting. Um, and so now you're looking at maybe taking some of those courses, uh, taking some of those hard, hard and fast approaches. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the mental blank spot, we really don't have the ability to play the fuck around game. You know, like we do uh, in, in a lot of instances, I have to take that hardened approach. Like I was just having a discussion yesterday and, and it does have to do with the stations. I can't express that enough. Like when you get a guy comes into the program, burn his life down to the ground, he gets a $35 chatter bill and he's paying $600 a month for rent. You know, he has a lot of room to make mistakes. But as you up your station, you have to up your program to meet that station. And what I think happened way back when is that we didn't know enough at that time to up our, up our program for the station. We were essentially running the same program that we did originally to get sober. And so what that is, is that when you up your station, you get a better job than a forklift driver or some temp job, right? There's a lot of fears. There's a lot of responsibilities that come with that. And in order to handle that, you have to bring God more and more into your life. So just as a necessary process of life and growing and facing these opportunities and moving in life, and I'm talking about emotionally, spiritually, materially, everything, you have to bring God in more, right? Because the lines get more and more blurred as time goes on, right? And it, it, it's not so black and white life anymore because there's so many moving pieces and functions to your life because you've been able to get that as a direct result of doing this work that 
there's a lot of gray. There could be a lot of gray for the alcoholic. And that dishonesty and that mental blank spot, that's, it's so easy. It can be so easy if not being properly grounded. So I'd just like to touch base on something you said uh, a few minutes ago. A lot of guys would come up to you and say, you know, it's easy to see that this guy's got something. You know, so let's just say I'm, I'm just an individual in a meeting and I'm watching talk and grow and watching their, their actions. And you had mentioned earlier that it looks like this guy has many, many years of recovery. In essence, we only had a couple of years. A couple but I also experienced the same thing. Oh, I thought you had 15 years. I thought you had eight years. I thought you had 10 years. And I'm like, no, I got three years. But I had a lot of people also come up to me and said, oh, you must have listened to a whole bunch of speakers. Is that how you got so smart or so much knowledge? And I'm like, well, I've listened to a fair amount of speakers. But that's not what's done it the actual collection of the data by working with another alcoholic going to thousands of fucking meetings and also my experience of me burning my fucking hand over and over and over along with watching sponsees burn their fucking hand i think the biggest teacher for me has been me burning my hand and watching sponsees burn their hand and then over and over and over then i hook up with you and we see the sponsees burning their hands on the same fucking shit. You and I burning our hands on the same shit. But then as you've grown your way and I've grown my way, you've watched me burn my hand in my own shit many times, but I haven't had to drink and I've always tried to course correct. Mm. So I think the literature as we stay in here longer and we keep getting into it has so much depth. There's so much weight underneath the surface of that black and white that you can't really... Even guys with 10, 15, 20, 25 years that I've talked to, because they have that time, they think that they understand a lot. And I don't want to sound egotistical here, but I'm able to talk circles around them within the literature and the program. And I'll say, how many guys have you sponsored? Most of these guys say 10, 5, there's not much data collected. It took me 15 guys to even get a fucking system of how to sponsor somebody. Mm. It took me 30 guys to get a fucking idea of what I was doing. It took me 100 guys to go, okay, I see what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And of course, I didn't get those 100 all through the steps. But I got to see a lot of the bullshit that we deal with. And we get to see the disease. And these guys are very sick people. You know, now the years have gone on, you know, we've both sponsored a few hundred guys or whatever, and this is not to be egotistical either. Me and Matt had a chat there the other day, and I'm like, you know, if I get to sponsor 10 guys, seven of these guys are fucking staying sober today. That's not the norm out there. No. So when I get a fucking guy with 15, 20 years telling the room that everyone's journey is different and everyone's recovery is different, it kind of irks me because, yes, it is to a degree. But if you follow the directions and you follow the clear-cut way of this path, your odds are fucking really good. Remember the odds early in the big book where it talked about it in the forward to the first? 50% of people recovered. I think it was 75, actually. Okay, I just want to butt in quick if I can. Yeah, go for it. So... 
everybody's journey is different. Um, that's nonsense, and I'm going to tell and I'm going to tell you why. So, the journey through the twelve steps and the process of the twelve steps is not different. That is what is hard, and that is right from the big book. If you want consistent results. You have to follow a consistent process. Now, how a man may feel on step one, because you could, the, the 12 steps can be riddled with spiritual experiences, right? Those have an individual meaning, right? When he's out of the 12 steps, right? When he's out of the process of working with a sponsor, the 12 steps, and his experiences and journey of the men that he sponsored, his, his life is the journey, right? His spiritual experiences given is, is the journey, but not the fucking process, not even close. And so this gentleman is actually talking about, because I know what you're talking about. This is a blanket man. This is one man who has many names and many faces that say that. It's pretty common. What he's talking about is he's talking about the process, he hasn't most likely followed the process in the book and why he's saying that is just simply to justify his own conduct. And you'll see that a lot in the rooms, right? You'll see a guy who does something maybe a little bit questionable and he'll tell other people that they could do that too to justify his own, to solidify why he's doing what he's doing type of thing. And that's the same idea. And as long as the rooms have theories and opinions, we're never going to get, you know, this, we're never going to get, like the book says, one consistent message. We have one message on which, on which we could absolutely agree and join in brotherly and harmonious action. For as long as there are opinions running to the extremes and theories, that's a theory. That guy just gave you a theory. That's not actual practice. Well, you know what? Actually, it might be. It might be actual practice. That's probably what he's doing. So I wouldn't say that that's a theory. That's probably fucking facts out of, uh, out of his experience. But as long as we have opinions running to the extremes in these rooms and theories, I mean, to get to that brotherly and harmonious action, that one solution, which is the 12 steps as it's, as it's written in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that will elude us for more generations and more decades. What the fuck are we talking about? Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover. One person, one family one community at a time.